If that's the way the regular season is going to go this year, then I think we're going to have some fun. We might also lose a few years off our life. The Bucks, in the end, get back the lead, but it still feels like they survived against the Philadelphia 76ers on the road. But overall, a fantastic win given the circumstances. Some really strong performances to talk about. Brooke Lopez, Wesley Matthews, Grayson Allen, Giannis is great as always. And in the words of one of my favorite memes from last year, we're taking it all away. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win Monday to Friday and post-game throughout the 2022-23 regular season. Uh, also find some of my other stuff over at ESPN alongside me, the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. We thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first watch or first listen of every day. And I imagine if you're a Bucks fan, you're waking up today, if you're in the US, that is, uh, feeling pretty good about what you watched the night before. And today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. That's Bet Online where the game starts. Frank, we were unsure. We were uncertain. We were worried about the offense. And perhaps some of our uncertainties and concerns about the offense were proven valid on this night. Uh, but the defense was absolutely superb. And the Bucs win this 90 to 88. And I mentioned it. You know, Giannis had some really great moments in this game. But ultimately, we asked who were the guys that were going to step up. And we just saw some really great performances uh, from the other guys. I don't know if there's one person or one area you want to start with in particular. Um, but this overall is a really satisfying uh, way to start the season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, there, there were, it didn't matter how they won this game. If they were going to win this game, you would have been thrilled given again, obviously I don't, I think everybody here knows no Chris Middleton, no Pat Connaughton own five preseason, uh, you know, kind of like when, when is this team going to hit its stride and maybe they still haven't hit their stride offensively felt like uh, kind of playoff bucks offensively playoff drew holiday. Uh, what two out of 15 drew, uh, <laughs> let's just say has some rust to knock off offensively, at least the circumstances, I mean, Philly just lost in Boston in their opener. So, I mean, of course, they want to show what they can do. They're a team that, you know, has a lot of buzz um, and, and becoming a fashionable pick uh, to come out of the East this year. So uh, for the Bucks to go in and, you know, say, all right, you know, well, let's just go play our game and we'll kind of see what happens. Uh, and to come away with a win is is just it's great, great win. You know, I think right early in the season here, given the injuries, I mean, I think we were talking about how we're not going to be picky you hope you can just chalk up wins against some of the the easier opponents that you're going to face, but Philly, obviously not uh, on the list of, of easier opponents. So to get off to uh, you know a winning start, regardless of circumstances, you know the offense obviously really ground to a halt in the fourth quarter. They out, get outscored 25 to 17. But again, you know it's kind of one of those box scores like either side can look mm -hmm. at it, and you know Bucks fans can say, "Well, Drew Holiday is not going to shoot two out of 15 most nights," or you know Sixers fans are going to say, "Well, how?" How often is 
Joel Embiid going to miss that many, you know, easy looks from mid range, right? Six out of 21. We know he's way better than that. Um, so again, you, know, you can glass half full, glass half empty this game from both sides, but at the end of the day, the Bucks get a win. And I thought it was really interesting. We had, you know, Giannis Dedekumbo, uh talked about not really finding a stride in the preseason, only played a couple of games, didn't look so good in this game, uh, really was in facilitation mode for the vast majority of it, especially in the first three quarters, really wasn't looking for a shot. I think he made his first four or five, um, was very choosy, you know, constantly when he was getting the ball, looking for dribble handoffs, comes up with eight assists against just one turnover. I thought he was very under control, had a couple early fouls and played through it, Hmm. but did not, you know, send him to the bench for an extended period, which was ultimately obviously a, a good decision and bucks plus 13 in those Giannis minutes. And certainly in the middle of that fourth quarter, when Philly goes on its big run, uh, that was when Giannis was was on the bench getting a blow. Embiid also on the bench at the time. And, you know, it was Harden and, and some of the reserves for Philly that were really turning the screws on the Bucks, And, um, you know, turnovers, kind of sloppiness from the Bucks, Drew Holiday missing shots. Um, I thought the transition defense at times tonight was felt really bad. But you look at the final score, you give up 88 points to a sixer team that has, you know, two on any given night, potentially dominant scores and for them to contain Embiid the way they did. I think he had 11 points in the first quarter, if I remember correctly, he had like eight points in the first four or five minutes, it felt like. And then for him to only score 15 points at the end of the night, you kept him off the foul line. Brooke Lopez clearly just decided, you know, look, I'm, I'm going to give you that little short mid-range jump shot. I'm not going to play your games. I'm not going to get conned into fouling you and putting you at the foul line. And so really can't ask for much more from the Bucks defense. And I mean, let's give a shout out to Brooke Lopez and Giannis defensively in particular, just some spectacular blocks at the rim. Giannis got Tobias Harris in the first quarter or for, I think it was first quarter, second quarter. He got Embiid on after look like Embiid got him in the air and had him faked out on a swats. Joel at the rim and box and, uh, you know, 12, three point attempts from Brooke. So clearly, uh, not bashful with Joel Embiid, obviously, uh, not prioritizing, you know, face guarding Brooke at the perimeter. And again, not, not the most efficient night for Brooke, uh, 17 shots, but I mean, they, they needed those points, right. In a game like this where points were hard to come by four out of 12 from three, Hey, <laughs> you take it. And, uh, you know, if you told us last night that uh, Brooke Lopez was going to outscore Joel Embiid, I think we would have felt pretty good about the Bucks' odds. Ended up being a lot closer than uh, than maybe that would have suggested. But uh, overall, again, just hat, tip your hat to to the kind of getting other guys involved, bringing it on both ends, and uh, yeah, just a really nice way to cloud a win and. Uh, you know, I got I got to say, Kane, I, I was listening, re-listening to our pod, the first pod we did last night, and I was like, man, I just got glossed over Wes Matthews' existence uh, when we were talking about like the wing rotation with all the injuries, which of course is terrible because like I'm the you know the king of Wes Matthews fandom. So got to give a shout out to my guy Wes. Gets the go ahead three tonight, uh, eight points, twenty minutes. Did his Wes Matthews stuff, and uh, yeah. Um, they're going to need him to do uh, a bit more of that over the next few weeks. But uh, again, as Giannis was saying after the game, great team win, chalk it up. Now go home and bring up some more wins, hopefully uh, back at Pfizer Forum. It's interesting because I think if you just look at the box score, you mentioned the 
certainly the three-point attempts from Brook, even though I thought he hit some in some important ones at important times. I could have hit a really big one in the fourth quarter that he, he didn't quite knock down. So maybe the box score itself, uh, just his line, he, he certainly had more impressive uh, stat lines. But as I was watching the game, and maybe I was getting a little bit caught up in it, forget the playoff stuff because he's had huge playoff moments and huge playoff games, but it did just feel like, particularly in that third quarter, uh, it, it felt like he almost broke Joel Embiid at one point there he was so frustrated he was so caught up in the fact that he was trying to get payback it felt like on brook for one of those blocks or a couple of times he stifled him at the rim where lopez only got credited for two blocks it felt like he had four or five uh in this game so i I thought of and again this is easy to say this one hour after the game but i thought it was one of his better regular season games and and it means a little bit more potentially on opening night but uh he had a decent opening night last year as well, so uh, he earned himself a 70-game break if he wants to uh, take that off this year. But no, he, he looked fantastic. And when we were talking about the team coming into the season, there was the guys that already weren't there. I think there's been some general skepticism around Brook Lopez because you know we don't know exactly where he's at uh, health-wise, but we've said it for years, and I know that there's been sections of people that have gone on and off about Brook and perhaps... You know, thought maybe they need to find the replacement. But the one reason why we've always said that he is critical to this team is in case you have to face Joel Embiid in a playoff series. Now, they haven't had to do it yet. But, geez, they needed Brook tonight and they would need him uh, down the road. So you saw tonight, not that he's always going to slow him down like that, but you saw tonight the type of performance he could have. And it was interesting that only uh, three minutes came from Serge Ibaka and that was really uh, early in this game. Uh, as well so just a just a monstrous night from brooke lopez uh you mentioned wesley matthews i want to get into that uh as well as grayson allen who had some really big moments uh late in this game but we should talk about uh betonline.net our friends there we did the over and under podcast yesterday if people haven't got to that yet uh, that's a timeless one so you can go back there and tell us where you think we were wrong uh which which over and unders we got wrong but the win total for the bucks was at 53 Uh, This is a good start for those that took the over, Frank, uh, winning on opening night. So uh, that win total at betonline.net, 53 for the Bucs, but there's also NFL, MLB postseason as well, uh, news, team matchups, latest player developments. So go to betonline.net because uh, they will remain your continued source for all your sports wagering information. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Uh, That's Online where the game starts. Uh, I do have to mention what should be your second listen of every day, and that's game-to-game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result, Locked On Game-to-Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game-to-Game on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's talk. And, you know, you, as I said, you mentioned Wesley Matthews there, but I thought, again, and the Bucs scored 17 points in the fourth quarter. You mentioned some of the turnovers, but, I mean, some of them were just flat out, completely unforced turnovers. I mean, it was just absolutely falling apart. They couldn't buy a bucket. And then they got the layup from Grayson Allen, and then after that, they got the three-pointer from Wesley Matthews. But in the lead-up to the Grayson Allen layup, it was Wesley Matthews who came 
screaming in for the offensive rebound and was able to keep that possession alive. Um, down the defensive end, there was deflections from both of these guys. You can get into the fact that they didn't review that out-of-bounds play, which when did they change this? So for people that missed this, there was a pass with around nine seconds left. The Bucks were up by uh, one at the time. And the ball goes uh, right across the court to Tyrese Maxey in the corner. Grayson Allen does a really good job of recovering to get a finger on it. But after Grayson Allen gets a finger on it, it clearly hits Tyrese Maxey's hand. Uh, there's no ability to review. I guess that's the case. Uh, I thought the officials review those types of plays late in games, but obviously something's changed. So the Sixers keep uh, the ball there, which could have been a pretty controversial moment. But even that deflection from Grayson Allen, if he doesn't get his hand on it, maybe he's overcommitted and Tyrese Maxey has an open shot in the corner. So I just thought those two in general, yes, they scored those two really important buckets when the Bucks just flat out couldn't get anything going. Um, but they just had nice little moments as well on both ends of the floor. I thought they were both huge. Yeah, and just for background, uh, the Board of Governors approved this change where in the final two minutes, uh, these these reviews of, of, uh, of out-of-bounds plays could only be challenged via, via coach's challenge. So no more, you know, games getting dragged out by these referee-initiated challenges, which, again, unfortunately, the Bucks used the challenge on the uh, Giannis loose ball foul with, I think, 31 seconds left uh, on P.J. Tucker, you know, kind of a little bit of a, I don't want to say a Hail Mary because, I mean, the game was tied, but um, obviously it was a high leverage moment, you know, Bud's hoping that that, that gets overturned. And I, I didn't, I was kind of, I was watching the game on DVR, so I couldn't see if, I'm not sure if they were hoping that it was would not only be um, overturned, but somehow they would get the ball back or something. But obviously PJ then knocks down two free throws on the loose ball. So it was, you know, it was a big <laughs> moment. Um, so can I just quickly ask, because I don't know if you know the answer here. So because the whistle went for the foul and then there was a scramble and I think it was PJ Tucker that was diving out of bounds to save the ball, but the whistle went before it was out of bounds. So I think even if they won the challenge, would have a jump ball, I, right? I, I think so. Yeah, yeah, I would think so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, famously, right, like a year ago or last spring, the last time these teams met in Philly, yeah, right, sure. the game had that bizarre ending um, where Giannis gets the the block, it's ruled a goaltend. And, uh, you know, it's ruled a, a jump ball that, that takes the ball back out to, to midcourt, if I remember correctly, um, instead of going out of bounds, uh, which, you know, the Bucks basically punted the ball, like basically slapped the ball out of bounds. But the ruling was, well, we, you mm. know, we, we called the, the, the goaltend before that. So um, anyway, obviously, we would have been uh, less in a less chipper mood and <laughs> the Sixers uh, paid off that little bit of luck there at the end mm. and, and ended up winning the game. But, you know, fortunately, Drew Holiday, for all his struggles offensively, um, you know, has a nice, nice physical uh, defensive matchup there at the end against Harden, who's obviously was trying to grift for for a foul. And, you know, for sure. give Harden credit on the one hand, you know, he, he was really effective getting to a shot and, you know, scores 31 points despite only one out of seven from three, you know, 12 out of 17 uh, from the field. It seemed like the Bucks let him, we're kind of letting him get to his left hand um, a lot in this game. And and he was able to really hurt them with floaters and stuff going to the basket, but uh, only four free throws for him, only three free throws for Embiid. <laughs> I mean, again, those two are, you know, the kind of preeminent, you know, NBA foul grifters around probably. So Clearly, you know, one, one thing, we'll talk in a minute about the opponent three-point attempts, but one thing the Bucks have always emphasized is not fouling, not letting teams get to the foul line. And, you know, again, like 
13 free throws. I mean, that's the total the Philly, Philly attempted. You kind of expect, you know, kind of would have thought Embiid or Giannis would hit, would, would take 13 free throws. One of them just on their own instead, just three for uh, Joel, just five for Giannis. He missed a couple of big free throws with two minutes left, but you know, thankfully uh, the Bucks were able to pick him up, but um, but yeah, I, I think probably the, you know, we've buried the lead a little bit, especially on the defensive end. I mean, I think the, the most notable thing was the theme. One of the obvious themes of the preseason was, Hey, we're going to start trying to defend that old three point line a little bit better. And we're not going to help over help so much. And uh, obviously, you know, the evidence from game one would suggest that, that that happened. And it was a, a rousing success. Philly five out of 24 from three. I've got some okay. trivia for you before you continue. Okay, go ahead. That, that we haven't pre-planned. Okay. So the 24 three-point attempts to me seems like a low number, Frank. <laughs> it, it is, Kane. Not only is the 24 attempts low, but the five three-pointers seems like a very low number. And in fact, if you look at the Bucks last season, their fewest number of three-pointers allowed was six against Brooklyn in January and the fewest number of three pointers allowed was against the bulls in Chicago in March. So literally on the, you know, the first regular season game of employing this, let's call it new philosophy. And again, not that this is, uh, you know, the, the, the sole dominating philosophy of their defense, but um, you know, again, basically saying, Hey, I mean, they doubled Joel at times, obviously. They strategically mm. tried to send bodies at him. You know, like when he was getting the basket, we saw, you know, Drew Holiday jump in for a steal. Like they they were able to get uh, Embiid turning the ball over a little bit. He had four turnovers, only three assists. Um, but for the most part, you know, they were content to let Brooke spend a lot of time on an island with him and not let um, kind of the the collapsing defense really open up seams for other guys. And, and similar with Harden, you know, he ends up with nine assists you know, good, good numbers, but, um, I thought they, for the most part played, played a pretty honest game and, you know, Tyrese Maxey, I think he's in, you know, he was really good last year, 15 points on 13 shots. You know, you can live with that over three, he hit over 40% last year. So uh, again, like you kind of just look at it. Um, nobody from Philly hit more than one, three, and, uh, there's certainly some luck in there, right? Five out of 24, normally you'd expect them to make more than five, but, the 24 attempts is to me the really notable number because again, like you literally didn't have a single game last year in the regular season where you allowed only 24 or fewer attempts from three. So again, you know, I think um, the, the interesting, like they, the Philly had 28 shots at the rim, but only 15 makes. So th- this is the whole concept, right? Giannis, uh, uh, Brooke, maybe Ibaka to some extent, those guys let them defend the rim don't send those extra bodies and take your chances. And tonight defensively, certainly that, that paid off in spades and, you know, Philly was, was very good for mid range, but the three point shooting obviously was not there. And then uh, in particular, the rim stuff, again, they had 28 attempts versus the bucks, only 20 attempts at the rim, but only 15 makes and only one, uh, only one shooting foul drawn at the rim as well. So, uh, you know, just really impressive and, and Philly seven out of 17 on, on kind of short floater range. So again, you know, you kind of live with that a little bit when you play this type of defense, but um, I mean, the, the proof is in the final, the final score, right? You give up 88 mm-hmm. points against a team like Philly that, that has, you know, the offensive weapons to put up a ton of points. You got to feel really good about that. And we'll see, there are going to be nights when, you know, Joel Embiid puts up, you know, hits 
14 out of 21 instead of six out of 21. And, you know, you say, well, you can't, you can't leave Brooke Lopez on an Island. You got to show extra bodies. Right. So we'll see. I, I don't think, you know, again, things are always fluid in these games. You, you got to adapt as, as you go and, you know, coaches make adjustments even when fans try to act like they don't. Um, but I thought tonight was uh, just a well, well-scripted plan. And I thought the pick roll defense in particular, like, you know, sometimes they were switching, sometimes they were kind of showing recovering, obviously with Brooke, you're always more or less just dropping. Um, but with all the other guys, um, we saw kind of some different things. And you know, I thought Philly probably was, was caught a bit guessing because they never really felt like they got into a super predictable rhythm in terms of uh, attacking the kind of the pick and rolls type type situation. So yeah, good stuff. Nice, nice little, nice little uh, flip of the switch, uh, at least defensively from what we saw in the preseason. I definitely saw some stuff on Twitter and, you know, we always see this, particularly if a player starts to hit a couple of mid-range in a row or potentially gets a few floaters in a row. And there was some stuff on Twitter about, you know, the position in a brook and, and, you know, I mean, I don't know how many times we have to discuss it, but ultimately you literally can't stop everything. Like it's just impossible to do. But if you're going to have someone, and I know it's dangerous for the player like James Harden who can get really hot, but, you know, ultimately, as long as you're not fouling him, that's where you find yourself in the most trouble. I think Grayson Allen fouled him on one jump shot. He might have just clipped his elbow. But overall, I thought they were pretty disciplined uh, with their defense there. And then uh, I guess the other thing to talk about uh, would be the starting lineup. So, yeah, we discussed, and this is clearly a smaller lineup than we've seen the Bucks use yeah, most of the time, really, with Javon Carter coming into the lineup. Uh, I will be curious, and maybe it doesn't matter so much with some of the uh, lower-ranked teams. Philadelphia is a little bit more intriguing for us because we can see it as a potential matchup down the line, and hopefully you've got other guys back by that point. But the Javon Carter matchup with Tyrese Maxey yeah, kind of made sense just size-wise, but then you're asking Grayson Allen to move up a little bit and get caught on Tobias Harris. And Tobias Harris, I mean, he only had nine points, Frank. I mean, it, you know, he had a couple of buckets early and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this is going to be interesting, interesting to see how this plays out. Um, but what did you make of the rotation? Giannis checked out of the game for the first time around six minutes, 6.14. Uh, he was back very quickly, around the 4.30 mark. So just a really quick uh, breather there. Even though he picked up the two fouls, at the time... I didn't know, you know, what Bud was going to do if he was going to take him out. Probably lucky that he left him in because he immediately hit a three and then he immediately hit a mid-range after that. So you got five quick points on jump shots when he had the two fouls, but they played 10 guys in the first quarter. Um, so they were definitely throwing some bodies through there. The Marjan Bochamp debut is on hold for at least another couple of nights. But did you see anything interesting either from the uh, starting lineup matchups or just the guys that were used. I think it was probably pretty standard after that. You got 20 minutes out of Wesley Matthews, which uh, we weren't sure about. Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting if if Wesley had played in the preseason and Hep wasn't coming off an ankle injury. Might have started. Like, would they have started him? Yeah, maybe. Um, I I think our general hypothesis has been that Bud would probably not want to start Wes if he didn't have to this year and kind of keep mm -hmm. him more in reserve. Um, but But I mean, honestly, it's like, well, if he's playing 20 minutes, like, does it matter if he's starting or coming off the bench? Right. I mean, he's, he obviously works really well with the starters just cause he's all he's going to do is shoot open threes and he doesn't need to put the ball on the floor and do stuff with the ball if he's playing with the best players. So I, I mean, I think, you know, from an optimal lineup perspective, 
And I mean, testament to Wes, also a little bit of testament to maybe some of the lack of <laughs> the lack of other top end <laughs> talent outside of the big three. But um, you know, I still think he's he's your best fifth starter when when healthy. Um, but I, you know, I, I think it'll be interesting to see just kind of what that happened, what, what happens, right? I mean, does Bud wait till late in the year again and then say, okay, Wes, you're going to start starting now uh, as we get ready for the playoffs. But, um, but you know, I, I think uh, Grayson Allen acquitted himself reasonably well. You know, again, he, he got switched on to Harden um, a number mm-hmm. of times. It, it never felt like, you know, against the Celtics where, they really, you know, like Marcus Smart and, and guys just really were able to go at him physically and, and kind of overwhelm him, overwhelm him. Um, so solid, solid night from him. Didn't didn't shoot the lights out or anything, but um, but made some plays and, you know, got that got that layup um, late. That was important. And then had the kick out uh, off the uh, attacking a closeout uh, draws Tobias Harris, maybe getting a little too over aggressive with with the help defense can you, can you just imagine can like these teams that over help defensively like oh must be terrible must be terrible rooting for those teams um but but that's i mean that set up the 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 winning ultimately the winning three from west so uh you know let's just say i i, I will say this if the bucks lose this game i think we'd spend a lot more of this podcast talking about why Giannis was so deferential including late in the game i mean he wasn't even looking he didn't even seem to be like you know, he'd catch the ball at the top and immediately like go into a dribble handoff. Like he wasn't even looking at the Sixers setup to to see how he could probe and attack. It seemed like he was just like, you know what? It's game one. I don't really feel like, you know, getting into a, a rugby match with with PJ Tucker tonight. Um, so he kind of just picked his spots and it was I don't know, it's it's interesting, right? Even even in the kind of fourth quarter, I mean, he think he had like thirteen in the first half, two in the fourth quarter, two in the third quarter, and then um you know, six in the, in the fourth quarter. So yeah, just never really kind of decided to impose his will on the game. And, um, you know, fortunately end up not hurting the bucks. Uh, but I think if they lose that game, I think obviously we would be asking some questions about, you know, why isn't Giannis more of the offensive fulcrum? Why isn't he the guy attacking, looking to get shots more, uh, in the latter half of that fourth quarter when they needed some buckets. So, um, but again, we can worry about that another day. He cashed a win. We know Giannis can take over when he needs to. And it, it did feel like this was a game where he decided early on, like, hey, I'm gonna I wanna get my teammates going. I wanna kind of help help them feel engaged. A lot of dribble handoffs, you know, whether it was, you know, even guys that you don't think of as being like, oh, let's give them a ball and a dribble handoff, you know, like Wes or Jordan Wara, Grayson. Obviously, you're more comfort kind of more typically seeing that. Um and uh, you know Jordan Moore hit a couple shots. Um, uh, Bobby Portis. It felt like Bobby missed a lot of shots, but I mean, 11 points on five out of 10 shooting. So hey, that was fine. Um, you know, he hit hit some shots when the Bucks made that run to kind of extend the lead early in the fourth quarter. Um, but obviously, you know, when they were going on that run and you had Giannis on the bench and Bobby's out there playing defense and you know, like the team, you know, you've got Bobby and and Grayson out there and. I don't know if Brooke was even out there for, for that, for, I'd have to double check if Brooke and Bobby were out there at the same time, or if there was a period where neither Brooke nor Giannis was on the floor, but uh, you know, they were able to overcome it. And um, you know, we saw Bobby switch a few times in pick and roll and, you know, I thought held up fine. Um, So, so we'll see. And I think what one comment on the, the, that starting matchup, you know, when you've got Harden and Embiid and, 
your offense is so good when you're running those two guys in pick and roll. I kind of wonder, like, did they just, you know, because I think the, the big question was, do you put Giannis on PJ Tucker to let him roam? Or do you put Giannis on Tobias Harris to, you know, again, not that, that if Tobias Harris is going, is getting a pick and uh, a pick that Giannis wants to go over that. But, um, but it, maybe the calculus was simply just, Hey, you know what? If the Sixers want to play their offense by playing ISO ball with Tobias Harris against Grayson Allen, at least it's not Joel Embiid and James Harden, you know, having the ball in their hands. So especially from the starting group, you know, maybe in the bench group, you'd, you'd want to avoid that a bit more. Um, and that's maybe the benefit of, of bringing Wes off the bench is sort of those bench units with Tobias where he can be a little more active. Um, he doesn't have a matchup that he can attack as easily versus when he's with the starters. It's like, well, I don't really want to play my offense through, <laughs> through Tobias Harris. And, uh, but yeah, certainly, you know, him not really being a factor was, was pretty notable. So, um, so it'll be interesting. And I think, again, we've, we've talked about it, but you know, I think the additions of Melton looked looked pretty good tonight, with the exception of that time where he drove on Giannis in transition, and it seemed like he had no confidence he was going to be able to get off a shot. And sure enough, just kind of throws it up off the glass. Uh, I thought Melton looked pretty good, um, and Daniel House was was much more kind of, you know, looked like a guy who's been released a couple times in the last few years a bit more. I mean, I think he's a solid player, but not a guy that I think made a made a big impact in this game. But I think we saw you know, that fourth quarter, like those guys, you know, can, can really help you defensively compared to the, the starters, you know, the one through three starters. Tobias is okay defensively, I think, but especially Maxi and Harden. But I mean, the problem is it's like, well, when you're closing games, like you're not closing games with Daniel house and, and D'Anthony Melton, like playing defense for you. Cause there's no room for them. Right. I mean, you gotta have, you gotta have Maxi, you gotta have Harden, you gotta have Embiid. And I think you gotta have PJ. So it's like, I mean, are you going to take off Tobias Harris, who's not a bad defender for one of those guys? Like, eh. so, so anyway, so long story short, we talked the other night about, or last night about Joel Embiid not being kind of the most convincing anchor of a defense. Um, you know, Sixers defense, obviously tonight, end result was fine, right? You live with giving up 90 points any game. Um, so the defense was not really the problem for Philly, but I thought for the first three quarters in particular, I, I, I didn't really feel like the Bucks had a lot of problems getting into their offense. You know, like I, it did not feel like that Boston series where Boston just, man, just made it so hard to get open looks, made it so hard to kind of do anything regardless of who had the ball. Um, this felt like a, a game where you could kind of run your offense and get to your spots. And it was just a matter of the Bucks kind of just not having maybe enough talent on the floor with, especially without Chris to um to be really dangerous and you know sure enough some of the three-point shooting in the first half nine out of 22 um came back down to earth a bit as as the game went on not that nine out of 22 is like you know gangbusters <laughs> but um you know they were four out of 20 in the second half and let's just say it felt like that uh overall the bucks 17 points in the second quarter 17 points in the fourth quarter so uh not a cracking pace uh in those two quarters and Giannis said himself if you had told him at the start of the game that the Bucs were going to win by scoring 90 points, he probably wouldn't have believed you. And let's not forget, as we give the defense even more credit, this is a Philly team, you talk about Boston, they scored 117 against the Celtics two nights ago. Uh, so this is a significant performance for the Bucs that deserves uh, a fair amount of credit, I would say, uh, in my eyes. But if you want to hear more about it from a little bit of a different perspective, go listen to Locked On NBA. You can do that every day as well and catch up on everything that's going on uh, around the NBA with all the other games. I think the Clippers are about to beat the Lakers as we're recording this 
uh, here, but you can uh, you can catch all that. Well, actually, scores tied in six minutes. We with six minutes to go. We better wrap up this podcast and, and watch the end of uh, that game there. Uh, one other shout out, a couple of shout outs to uh, my Aussie brethren. Uh, you speak about guys that might not play so much. Poor old Aussie Matisse. Uh, not looking like he's going to have many opportunities on this Sixers team. And uh, I wore this white T-shirt in honor of uh, Joe Ingles today. He was also wearing a white T-shirt on the bench and looked like he looked like he was having a fun time on the bench. And, you know, we hope that he comes back and plays late in the season. But it's cool that Joe Ingles is on the box. I know no one else really cares about that as much as me, but I just want to throw it out there. He's with the team, so shout out to Joe. <laughs> Any thoughts? I mean, the first thing I thought when I saw you, I was like, white t-shirt. Looks oh, like Joe. Joe Ingalls, man. Yes. Spitting image of, of Joe Ingalls. White t-shirt. Vintage uh, Joe Ingalls. That's what everybody associates the white t-shirt with. So, uh, yeah, you know, hey, nice nice little opening night to the season. And, uh, you know, I, I think the other thing, too, is, you know, I, again, it's the first game of the season. We got 81 to go. But, oh, geez. I mean, this is a team that you're – quite possibly going to be battling for, for playoff positioning all year. Um, I mean, they, what they, they tied, they were, they both had 51 wins last year, right? So literally mm-hmm. you, you both had the same number of wins last year. It came down to tiebreakers um, for the bucks to, to be ahead of them in the standings. And so to, to bank a road win at the start of the season, you know, call it, you know, Kane, you're, you're an Aussie. So you must appreciate tennis, right? Like that's that kind of break of serve. To, to start the to start the season and um, hey now just win at least hold serve at home get at least that that three at least the three one uh, hopefully season series actually do the uh, the Sixers the Bucks may Bucks may only play the Sixers three times this year um, I'm I'm actually I, I thought I remember they play one of the good teams only three um, only three times this year uh, so in that case it's it's even more valuable. Um, oh no, they, they do play four times. Okay. Yeah. So they play in Philly again on November 18th and then they host the Sixers on March 4th and April 2nd. So yeah, but good to bank a win. And, um, you just never know when, when that extra, that extra W is, is going to be the difference between, you know, a seed or, or home court or, or whatever. So, uh, yeah, on pace for 82 wins. Let's keep it going bucks. With the anti-Cleveland Cavaliers who are on pace for 0-82, this Central Division rivalry is really heating up. Uh, Bucks are playing Saturday night against the, uh, well, the Houston Rockets. So the Madden household rivalry gets going very early in the 2022-23 season. Bucks and the Rockets, that's a 7 p.m. Uh, tip-off there. And I, I should say, I don't say this enough, but uh, while everyone's in a good mood at the end of this podcast, uh, make sure you continue to get your congratulations through to Frank for buying a house, first of all. But then secondly, once you do that, uh, subscribe on YouTube or on the audio platform. And I will say this on by YouTube the, specifically. By the, by the way, I'm I'm it's it's eleven thirty at night. I need to I need to paint a uh like the like some part of my porch, like the wood, the wood on my porch is like a little bit shady looking so like i've been tasked with having to paint that so i think i'm literally about to go and paint on my porch at like midnight because i need to sell my house and there's an open house tomorrow so if anybody needs to buy a very nice house in austin texas the home of locked on bucks for the last six years i mean that's gotta that's gotta be worth an extra 10 percent, something like that right uh 
hit me up on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> I'll put you in touch with my real estate agent. So, uh, so anyway, yeah. Um, let's just say my wife is like doing this right now, knowing that I'm podcasting while I should be doing chores. She's been, she hasn't been a very short leash, but I was able to sneak away for, uh, for some, uh, for some podcasting game, game one of the season. We had to do it. You, you live an interesting life, Frank. Uh, it's uh, 3.15 p.m. on Friday afternoon. I caught up with our old friend, Matthew Dallavdova, this morning, so I've got to go uh, right about that. Uh, he's playing for the Sacramento Kings uh, this season. And uh, once I've done that, I'm going to crack a couple of frothies and enjoy my Friday night. So that's what I'm going to be doing. Uh, and also comment on the YouTube as well because the more comments we get, uh, it bumps us up. And then we get more views and then everyone loves Locked On Bucks. And even if you comment in and saying, Kane, your white T-shirt stinks. And I, I think you you need to, I, I don't know, completely adjust your entire lifestyle. That's fine. It doesn't have to be a positive comment, but send them through uh, either way and that'll help us. All right, let's wrap it up. The Bucks beat the Sixers, 98. Uh, it was fun. It's good to have the regular season back. And we will be back after the Bucks and the Rockets.